Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of... Hey guys, welcome into the Guns Up Nation postgame. I'm your host, Keith Donaghy. This is my co-host, Zach Schumann. Happy day for the Red Raiders as they won 65-53 to in the first round against the Utah State Aggies. Great defense today. Obviously holding a tournament team to 53 points. I believe we... How many turnovers do we have? We had 22. We forced 22 turnovers today. Um, let me see if I can find the points off turnovers. That was a huge factor for the Red Raiders. Yeah, and it really was. They really came alive in the second half offensively. Uh, their defense stayed throughout the entire game, both in the first and second half. But throughout that second half, we saw a bunch of guys start get going. I know Mac McClung, Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon Jr. All three of those guys really stepped up this game and all in double figures. And shout out to Kyler Edwards. While he didn't have a great shooting night, he also came he came in uh, with some other things like he had. I believe six rebounds, four assists, three steals, and just an overall um, good performance for Kyler Edwards tonight. Yeah, Zach Yerkes came in a little late. Um, very beginning of the game, Kyler did struggle, but yeah, he definitely picked it up towards the end. It was big turnaround for the Red Raiders. Also, I'd like to say Jam- uh, Jamarius Burton came back in, played uh, – how many minutes did he get tonight? I don't have it on screen in front of me, but he, he didn't get a lot of minutes, but he played well. He shot – his only shot he made since his first game since – before the Baylor game in the regular season, right? Yeah, it was sometime in Fe- that month of February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he it was late in the season. We know he's on a he's on limited minutes uh, for this tournament. Chris Beard said that it's a injury that's going to be handled in the off season, I believe, through surgery. So he's not going to be able to get to his full minutes throughout this tournament. But it's great to see him out there. He's another depth guy that you like to see. Plays good defense, can distribute the ball, and can score. A guy that is really needed for this tournament. Yeah, it is worth noting today that Marco Santos Silva shot pretty well. I mean, he shot 50% from the paint, essentially, which isn't great. But he was hitting some hook shots that a lot of players would not be able to hit on a 7-footer, especially, that plays good defense. And how many blocks did he have today? Yeah, and I, I, I've seen out of Marco Santos Silva, he's kind of come into his own late in this season. I know starting out, and especially in the middle of conference play, he struggled um, quite a bit getting his offensive game going, but really he was able to put in some good performances. I know he had a good game against Texas. I believe he did pretty well against Baylor and on the TCU-Iowa State games that we finished out our season as well. And it's good to see. And a big thing with Marcus that I like seeing is his defense that he played. He, We knew, we all knew that. Yeah, that we, big... we all know he can play well on defense, and he can, he can get those rebounds. He's really good at the tip-out rebounds. We had big play from everybody today, essentially. Uh, Micah Peavy came in. Re- he he came up big on the defense. Tyreek Smith also. He didn't score any points. He didn't play a whole lot tonight. But when he wasn't, he was playing well. It was just those double teams in the paint that he's not quite ready for yet. Um, also, if y'all were keeping up with the tournament, just as our game was getting around halftime, or maybe just after halftime, Arkansas State started to run away with the game, and they, they're going to be our second round opponent. If you got a chance to watch a lot of that game, I, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm feeling more confident about Arkansas than I was about Utah State just because I was interested to see how we would match up with their seven-footer. And I do see with Arkansas, they also do have some interior size. Uh, I don't know the specifics. I'll go over those guys before we um, have our next game, of course. But um, Arkansas, they got size. They got a lot of athleticism. And Eric Musselman is a fantastic head coach. I know – 
I know Chris Beard has utmost respect for a lot of guys, but that is a guy that is going to have his team ready and is going to be a heck of a matchup next weekend or in, uh, in a couple days. Yeah. We're March Madness. we got games every day, it seems. And but How about Mac <laughs> McClung picking it up later in the first half and in the second half a lot? I mean, he was hitting some nice shots, making good plays. Everybody was playing relatively smart with the basketball. We still are getting those early bad shots in the shot clock, but I'm starting to think you need to take those a little bit more just – to make the defense know that you're you will shoot the ball, make keep them on their toes. Absolutely, and a big thing with this game, especially that I saw, is this kind of reminded me of that North Kentucky game and the first game of our championship run. Is our guys they came out a little sloppy, a little slow. Offense isn't moving. Still have some good defense, but in the second half. They handled the business, started making shots, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Man, does that sound like a Texas Tech game for you? I mean, (laughs) and there's no better time to start getting this confidence that you can win games in March than in March and in this tournament. And it's a great thing to watch, and I'm very excited going forward for these Red Raiders. Yeah, we. I mean, we got out-rebounded by 10, but the turnover margin was just so large that it was hard for Utah State to overcome that in the second half. And that, that is what truly cost them in the end. I mean, we got our largest lead, 16 points, and that was sometime in the, that was later in the second half, obviously, towards the end of the game. Yep. Their largest lead was six all game, and it's typical to, for Tech to be down at halftime. I tend to keep a rule for myself for most teams. If we're down by less than 10 or 12 at halftime, there's nothing to worry about. It's still going to be it, that means it's going to be a good game in the second half, but it's it's not. There's no need to hit the panic button as soon as we start going down. If y'all have any questions, feel free to throw them in the chat. We'll we'll be reading them out. We'll be answering any questions y'all have. Yeah, and let's just go through some of the games that have um, also hit final. Yeah, we uh, uh, the fir- first game of the day that was set to end was Virginia Tech at Florida, and man, that or wait, what that what was the, which was the one that went down to overtime? Um, that was the Virginia was, Tech was that, Florida game. That yeah. was the buzzer beater. The, buzz, the buzzer beater at the end of yeah took um, at the end of the second half, and then but Florida, Flo- Florida still ended up coming away with that one, so they'll be advancing. And th- most of these games are in our bracket, I believe. Let, let, let me go pull up our bracket real quick. Just to see what we're looking at with other games that have that are finishing up right now and have finished up. Yeah. Also, want to announce that we do have conference baseball coming up tonight. Oklahoma State um, first game. I think believe they start at six thirty, six forty-five. I don't know the exact time. I know they obviously move them around because of basketball. They're not going to try and be a direct competitor to the basketball watching. Um, it's a very big matchup for Texas Tech. Oklahoma State. They're ranked fourteenth. Tech's ranked seventh. It's Good old fashioned Big Twelve baseball. We're hitting that time of the year that it's getting. Michael, fun to you watch. mentioned that uh, that Beard is the master of the halftime adjustments. I noticed at some point last year or the year before, I can't remember. I looked up the stats for it, and we were, I believe, sixty eighth in first half overall team efficiency in the first half, and in the second half we were second in the nation. So yeah, Beard, king of the halftime adjustment. If we, if he could learn to improve, or maybe that is his game plan to maybe run a script set of plays to start off. I'm sure there's a few, but. The, Maybe that is his game plan, just to script for the first 10 minutes of the first half, but it'd be nice to get some hot starts like we did against Texas, although we saw how that worked out in the end. So Overall, I'm not going to criticize Beard and his coaching strategy whatsoever. We're winning games. Yeah, transition basketball and points mm-hmm. points off turnovers. I mean, we had probably 16, 17 points off turnovers this game, and that, that was the difference. At least I believe we had 14 going into the second half, but I don't have that stat in front of me as well either. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that defines this Texas Tech team. And even in our losses this year, we're an extremely good transition team, both offensively and defensively. 
when we got guys like McCole or Shannon, um, as well as Edwards that can get steals and start go and guys that can run in space and attack the basket and can make shots on the outside. That's something that this team does extremely well and is one of the strengths that's going to push this team deep in this tournament if they have that ability. So that's going to be a very big thing to watch out for moving forward for these Red Raiders. Yep, so Florida could be a, our possible Elite Eight matchup if, if we make it that far, if we get past Arkansas. Also, Ohio State and Oral Roberts are in a close game right now, 36-33. I wouldn't really start freaking out about an Ohio State upset until there's less than five minutes left in the game if it's still close. I see that somebody said uh, Sharon and Kyler are the leaders of this team. Yeah, I think that's true for the most part. I think everybody comes up big for each other. I I. Don't know that this team has much of a one, a one person leader as some teams that I've seen in the past. Um, but yeah, they they are definitely stepping up big as some of the elder members of this team, and I think that's going to be huge going on in the tournament, especially Kyler. I mean, what, this this will be his third tournament, tournament right? Um, I believe. Yeah, this no, should... this will be a second tournament. He he was a freshman that 2019 year, but he was a guy that actually got playing time, and he was the only guy that's on this current roster that I believe is getting that got playing time that year that's also getting playing time this year. Yes, Kevin McCuller and Avery Benson were on those rosters as well, but Kyler Edwards, we know he had a fantastic game in the national championship, and he starts off this tournament with a very gritty game. Um, not a good, not an efficient game, but a very gritty game, getting assists, getting rebounds, steals, loose balls, all those things that you like seeing out of your leader um, and your head point guard, Kyler Edwards, to do. Yeah, R- Ryan, you mentioned that you wish Beard would get a, recruit a force at the inside. Um, we have we t- Tyreek can become that force. He, he can grow in that force. It'd be nice to see him get a little bit more speed and a little bit more power. But he's young. He's playing well for a very young player that he is. And also, we have other bigger guys on the inside that just haven't quite developed yet to where we would like, even though they all are still young. I mean, Vlad, obviously yeah. really young. He's got a big guy. Uh, I could see him ending up in more of a Russell Tetua situation where we could see him transferring out just to get some more playing time. Mm-hmm. But that that's nothing on him or nothing on us. That's just the talent level. He's not quite at the talent level that we're at for him to get adequate playing time, playing time to improve his skill. Yeah, it's, it's one of the toughest things at this level is to get a center or a post player that can play at an elite level. Yes, we got the, we had a very, very fortunate time having the duo of Nord Sodiasi and Tariq Owens defensively as well as a little bit offensively, but that's not, that's not something that you can ride on for every year. There are very few players that have those abilities, and I I have trust in Chris Beer that he is developing them, and he's going to get guys to fill that role. Uh, Marcus Santos Silva is a good example of that. Not exactly the biggest high, or tallest, the, the high flyer that a guy like Tariq Owens is, but he holds his own, and he did very well against a very very good player um, that Utah State had, the seven footer. Yeah, that, well, one thing I do want to p- point out with Marcus Santos Silva is. He's able to guard the perimeter better than a lot of these bigger guys. He is a little bit faster, is a little bit more agile. So that'll come in turn when we face more centers that can shoot the ball or get an outside game, more of those three-level scorer type guys. He'll he'll perform a lot better against them because they're not going to be able to bully him quite as much in the inside because they don't have that skill set. As you notice, he's kind of a bowling ball. He doesn't get pushed back a lot, and when he does, it's usually over the top. Yeah, Arkansas is yeah pretty guard-oriented. I that that's what I was saying beforehand. I was actually more worried about this Utah State matchup than I was about the Arkansas one, but I didn't realize just how 
not up to the same level the rest of Utah State's team was to their two big men on the yeah. inside. For Arkansas, Moses Moody's a name that you want to look out for. Yeah, I believe I said Arkansas State. I meant Utah State, but... But, no, Moses Moody's a fantastic guard. He's a guy that's going to be picked in this NBA draft, and he's probably going to be the center of of our game plan for this next week. So, Or this next game. Again, I'm... Yeah, so some of the things I've noticed that kills are teams that have great spot-up shooters and teams that have big men that can drive the basket. Arkansas State doesn't seem to have either of those. They have guys that are good with the ball and good at making plays on their own. But I don't think they have a lot of spot-up guys that are going to just torch us from the outside like Texas does or like Baylor did with uh, Matthew Teague. Although Matthew Teague wasn't really spot-up shooting. He was just running up and throwing the ball and it going in for some reason. But <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. And I just want to give a little bit of a um, – just kind of a tip my hat to Chris Beard and, this, and Mark Adams and this defensive staff. Yes, Nehemiah Squeda or – I know it's not pronounced quite. It's um, that's besides the point. They he had a fantastic game. He had 11 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, seven blocks. Um, if there was a player of the game for both teams, he probably had the best overall game. But Chris Beard and Mark Adams, they really, really, especially in the second half, forced the ball away from him. Forced them to beat us with a another method. They. Um, they made them beat us with our guard. They made, um, Mark Adams and Chris Beard made Utah State have to win by shooting the ball, which Utah State, they did not yeah, they, do good we, at We were crowding the, the inside ball. and just whenever they got the chance to get outside, the passes were so hard to get out because we had so many people in the lane that oftentimes they were off their own, forcing the guys to have to reset their feet. And by that time, we had people out there to guard them, which worked out well in the second half. One thing that I will also like to point out in the back bracket before everybody goes crazy about any upsets you see wait until at least the 13 to 7 minute mark unless the upsetting team is just blowing out the favorite you'll see that better teams tend to run away in the 13 to 7 minute mark once the worst team gets through a lot of their bench and their starters start to get tired it's just an uphill climb from them from that point so if they don't already have a big lead it's going to be a tough one but looking at the rest of our bracket I, I like where we match up I think our first the First team that I'm going to be really, really scared for will probably be Baylor. That That is the team that I'd be worried about if I was a Tech fan and if I was Coach Beard. But up till then, I mean, I'm not freaking out about Ohio State or Arkansas. While they both can beat us, that's not a team that I'm going, wow, we are the underdog. I, we need a miracle to pull this, pull this out, essentially. Yeah, in this tournament, every single team that advances is a good team. So I'm not going to count on any team, but it really looks like that – as far as from a Texas Tech Texas Tech's perspective, they feel we they feel confident against Arkansas and against an Ohio State. I feel like they match up very well. Baylor is that first game that they just got shooters all over the place and also a team that can play fantastic defense. So that that's when we're, that's definitely where we're going to have to be looking out for down the stretch. But for now, let's. Enjoy this win. We got Arkansas coming up in the next couple days, and it is going to be a wild ride for these Red Raiders. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Big Ten basketball, which is eventually what we'll have to face if we keep moving on through this tournament, is they are very shaky teams. Not a lot of Big Ten basketball does not have a lot of consistent teams. They have a lot of teams that can beat any team on any given night. Any of them can go up and beat Gonzaga, Illinois, or Baylor on any given night. 
But if I had to pick them against two out of a three against an equal opponent, it would be a tough choice for me. I mean, just because you don't know if they're going to go on these losing streets where Michigan loses two out of three and two two out of three both to Michigan State within, or was that Illinois? What, somebody lost two. Some one of the top teams lost two out of three to Michigan State in a pretty brief time period. I believe the end that of the was Ohio State. Uh, yes, yeah, Ohio State. Yeah. Don't That's, yeah. hold me to it, but I believe that was Ohio State. Yeah. And, again, this tournament, it's a battle each and every round, and that's why I believe the Big 12 is the best conference for preparing you for this because in no other conference, from game to game, are you going to be playing a top-tier opponent. We've I, In the Big 12 this season, there were three teams, TCU, Iowa State, and Kansas State, that really were, were not competing game to game. In the Big 10, there's only around five teams in the Big 10 that are those top-tier teams. In the Big 12, you got seven of them. You got anyone from Baylor to Oklahoma can beat anybody. And I, I think Oklahoma State's going to have a harder time. I, I don't think Oklahoma State has the talent level to make a Final Four or an Elite, maybe an Elite run, but I seriously doubt it. Um, especially with the, is it a, I believe it's, was it a COVID case or an injury to. I think you're speaking about Oklahoma with Davion Harmon. What, what, what is that saying, Oklahoma you're State? You're saying Oklahoma State. I'm in Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Obviously, they... Oklahoma State has the ability to win the whole thing. Kate, with Cade Cunningham's ability and. I mean, if you watch the end of the Big 12 tournament, he dominated. He was taking shots with two to three guys guarding him constantly towards the end of the game and hitting almost all of them, but he couldn't do it all alone, which he, he does have talent around him. And I do think that if he plays well the whole game and he can really go out there and show up, they, they have the opportunity to win it all. But Oklahoma, I don't see Oklahoma as a real threat to any team that has hopes of winning the national championship this year. Just because they do have the injury or the um, COVID-related issues, along with the fact that they have not been playing very hot at all recently. Jacqueline, you, you're talking about how Baylor looks beatable by a few teams before the Elite Eight, and I completely agree. One team that I would keep my eye out for is Purdue. Um, that's a that's a program that usually does very good in the tournament. Um, they made that Elite Eight run and ended up losing two. Same points. thing with Villanova. The tournament's also a lot more about coaching than it is about players um what you'll see is even though some teams like for example even though duke and kentucky are in the tournament this year every year they might not be ranked as a top three or four seed but every year they are playing well in the tournament texas tech we're i guess two three seeds and now in a a six but Mm -hmm. every year we play well in the tournament that's why i think the tournament is more about coaching in the regular seasons a little bit more about talent obviously coaching is always a big factor but i believe in college basketball coaching means more than Almost anywhere else in the basketball realm. Yeah, it's it, it, it it's a matter of coaches not necessarily winning games, but some coaches in this tournament that aren't up to par with the rest of the coaches, they definitely do lose their team some games. And luckily for the Red Raiders, they got they got one of those coaching staffs that if if you're gonna say coaches are winning some games, that then Texas Tech is one of those teams along with a Villanova, Virginia. Um, I'd even put Gonzaga in that argument as well, that they just got overall very good coaching staffs and just happy to be a part of the fight this time of year. It's always a great thing um, in this tournament and deep in the season. What I would like to see next game is a little bit smarter shot selection towards the beginning of the game. And playing a little bit more aggressive, at least as far as driving the basket. And you might say those arguments kind of contradict each other, play, take better shots, but be more aggressive. I'd like us to be more aggressive on the inside. I don't like the contested 
running shots, moving shots that we're taking with 15, 20 seconds in the shot clock on the outside, the very low percentage shots, at least if you're charging the inside, you have a, a high probability of, if nothing else, drawing a foul to get points and obviously getting the other teams in foul trouble. I think if we can try and focus a little bit more on getting fouls on the other team, that'll help us a lot because we while we focus on playing our own game, we don't worry about what the other team does. I believe that's a good strategy in the regular season. You always want the other team's best players out there, but in the postseason, I would like to see Texas Tech attack more of these guys that do get three or four fouls with 12, seven minutes left, somewhere in that range. But get on the attack and get them fouled out, or at least get them in foul trouble to get them out of the game. Mm-hmm. In the regular season, of course, always want to play the best competition. Postseason, anything you can do that's not cheating to get the win is fine with me, it's, or as, as long as it's not dirty, you know, not hurting other players. Yes, for, for me, I'm going to put it to the defense against Arkansas. Arkansas is a fantastic offensive team, and I think we got we got to slow down the pace just a little bit. Um, against Arkansas, they're a team that's used to going fast, a team that, again, like us, very good in transition. And when we get those transition opportunities, attack the pace then, but let's not be rushing the shot clock. Let's take the shot clock, take good shots, and defensively um, be able to match up and have time to get back so that we can play the defense that we know that this team has the ability to play um, in this tournament. Yeah, and i like to say, we did really well emotionally-wise today. We got down a little bit we got down by six at one point just stuff wasn't going our way and you never saw guys get frustrated like we have earlier in the season especially in Mac McClung where his emotions very good for him but it can also hurt him at times um towards the end of the game so yeah that emotion's killer when you need that final shot I mean that's good to have that I'm the man mentality but it also hurts kind of when you get some fouls called against you at the end of the game was it West Virginia I believe that obviously we had a lot of emotion that game but Mac got really upset with the call sprinted down court got another Decent call on him, and then, I mean, he cost us the end of that game just emotion emotionally. So other teams we could realistically see us facing in this bracket could be Purdue and Villanova, but that wouldn't be at least until the Final Four. Yep. Um, elite, no, Final Four is when we'd see those teams. So I didn't really want to get too much into that just because Baylor obviously is the favorite. But let's focus on what's next. More importantly, we have Arkansas. That game will either be on Sunday or Monday, right? They playing or are they playing all games on Sunday? I would, I would Sunday? guess that this Arkansas game, Tech Arkansas game, will be on Sunday because yeah, we were the fir- we were the first game of this um, this round, so yeah. we're gonna go and be the first game of the next round as well. Um, yeah, so we'll probably be the first bracket that gets to our Sweet Sixteen revealed. Yes, yeah, very excited, very exciting times for Red Raider fans. We got. Um, uh, Round of 64 win tonight, or today, and then tonight we got Texas Tech baseball um, in a series against Oklahoma State. Great time to be a Red Raider, and just very looking forward to the next couple weeks for the for this, for this team. Yeah, I see that somebody said uh, Marco Santos Silva's hook shot. Yes, that was beautiful. Those, those were beautiful hook shots. He does that better than most players in college basketball. Um, well, obviously better than most players, but better than most centers and big men in college basketball. If he was... About four inches taller, he 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 could probably sneak in the second round, maybe late first round. He wouldn't sneak in; he he'd just, be in there. <laughs> he has to figure out how to get his. At least a mid range would be nice. Mm-hmm. At least a mid range would be nice if you don't have the height. At least somewhere to get some spacing other than the hook shot would be fantastic. And PV also with his faders, I mean that's that Kobe shot. You wait for them to lean into you, and you just spin away from it, and they stumble. You get your open shot. 
PV could be P. It's going to be an exciting year for Mike PV in 2021, 2022. Next year is going to be uh, an exciting year for Tech. A, a coast to coast exciting year. We we could be one of those Baylor Gonzaga teams that have a very very good record. I 100 would not be surprised to see Mike PV and Jamarius Burton starting come opening day next year. Uh, Jamarius uh, Burton has a longer way to go, obviously, because Mike PV is already a starter on. on for the vast majority of the season. But Jamaris Burton has improved more than any other player on our team this year by far. At the beginning of the year, I cannot stop talking about how his shot selection was poor. His open shots were poor. But, man, has he really stepped up. And I really believe that if he can get some more minutes, if, like they said, this injury will require surgery, but if he can find a way to toughen out through the pain. Like Justin Gray said, obviously you don't want to farther risk your future health where you're going to make some real money if you believe you can make it to the next level. But if you really want to win this championship, it'd be nice to see if playing a little bit longer wouldn't risk his long-term health to get him out there because he has become a real asset for this Texas Tech team. Yeah, and it and just looking ahead to next year, I'm not going to be one of the guys. I would not want to be one of Chris Beard and Mark Adams in determining that starting lineup because there is a fantastic crop that's going to be coming back. I know that he's going to get some more grad transfers, JUCO guys, and then you also got Jalen Tyson who's coming in next year, and that's a fantastic player, a fantastic high school guy. I saw uh, a tweet about him last night. He was going against some five-star guy, and he put up like 30 points, and he, he's a scorer, so we're going to going into next year have a bunch of new talent and returning talent. It's going to be a very fun time to watch, but nothing is more fun than the present, and that is why I am so excited for this Texas Tech-Arkansas matchup, and I wish that we could just play the games back-to-back, but for rest's sake and yeah, I, <laughs> sake. If anybody's able to catch the, final, the first four games last night, I do want to talk about an incident I saw with Tom Izzo where when I read the headlines originally, I thought, man, Izzo's going to be gone by tomorrow. He just beat one of his players or something. And then you go back, and I eventually got back in time to watch it. And, I mean, it was nothing. It was a coach yelling at a player and a player turning his back to a coach, which you never do. Tom Izzo grabbed him. Yes, he got physical, but it wasn't physical in the sense that you would think somebody would say if you get physical. Yes, he grabbed his jersey. Okay, it's college basketball. You watch any of Tom Izzo's former players, even Draymond Green commented on it. It's not a big deal. Don't try and blow stuff out of proportion, especially when it's something very minor like that. Yes, Tom Izzo should have waited until they got back to the locker room to confront him about it. But it's not that big of a deal. I would say you could make a big deal of it once players start coming out and saying, yes, he did stuff to us that he shouldn't have. But other than that, there is no reason for all the outrage. Charles Barkley even said it last night on NBA, or I guess it's college basketball on TNT, whatever they call it, that, that same crew. Um, you said, do you think Mac McClung stays? I think it's very largely dependent on how he does in this tournament. By the end of the tournament, you'll start having a lot of more full NBA draft boards come out, stuff like that. Um, but honestly, if, if he averages 17, 16, 17 throughout the rest of the tournament and we make it win at least two, three more games, yeah, I would say he goes. Other than that, I mean, unless he's just start projected to go early second, late first, which he's not right now, I would say he's staying probably another year. It's a coin flip to me. I could, I could see him go, but I could also see, let's say he we fall short at the Elite Eight. I could see him as a guy that wants to come back and put Tech over the top yeah. or get that ring. Um, because for sec, I know he's looking at the second round level, second round NBA draft picks. Nothing is guaranteed, so they 
the advantage of leaving early isn't as much as for a lottery kind of guy like a Terrence Shannon Jr. So, but again, it's going to be very dependent on this tournament, and we will see how that goes going forward. And I'd love to have him back, but I also want him to make the best decision for his career. Don't want to hold any of our players back because these guys deserve every opportunity that comes to him. And um, just, just it's a very, very promising time in that young man's career right now. Do you want to see if they've already released times for the Sweet 16 bracket slots? I doubt they have. I mean, the uh, round of 32 bracket slots. Let's go ahead and look that up. Somebody in the chat was asking about that. I don't think they have released times yet. They could very well have. We're checking on that for you real quick. As soon as they do, though, it'll be out on Guns Up Nation's Twitter, Facebook. Within five, ten minutes of the announcement, we'll have something out more than likely. Um, yeah, tip times won't be announced until tonight. So, yeah, we will definitely have something out. Just keep your eyes open. That's not something we we would likely miss. But it should be Sunday, possibly Monday. But um, just some notable stats. I want to point out Mac McClung led the team in points. He shot three of five, three of six from three, and six of sixteen from the field. Kyler Edwards was our team leader in free throws tonight, only four. That is one thing I do want to say. We are not in the Big Twelve anymore. We do not have Big Twelve refs anymore. Excuse me. If you notice that, obviously, with the lack of fouls tonight, I mean, there was a total of 14 fouls for Texas Tech and 13 for Utah State, and I would not be surprised if that's the lowest we've had all year in conference play, even though this isn't a conference play game, but compared to, I would say that's probably the lowest. That's why a lot of reasons that I don't believe West Virginia is a team that has the ability to make a far run. Yes, they do have the talent, but if you look at a lot of their games, they're still close games, and they're out shooting opponents with free throws by 10, 15 free throws. And you just don't have a lot of those calls here, which I think is going to hurt them more than it hurts most teams. Here's a fun little stat uh, while we're on the topic of stats. is Texas Tech has the most tournament wins mm-hmm. in the NCAA since 2018. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> fair to say. I, I remember bringing up that stat around this time last year, talking about when the tournament was about to get kicked up, about two weeks before this time, obviously. But, yeah, we, we still have the most tournament wins. I mean, we made an Elite Eight and then a championship run. So as long as Michigan State or somebody else didn't have two Final Four runs... Obviously, we we're, were fine there, and that's going to hold true until we lose or win this tournament, hopefully. Just one more stat for you right here is um, we talked about second halves. Chris Beard has never been outscored in a second half in an NCAA tournament game. And I don't if that doesn't speak the story about Texas Tech basketball, I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah, and that's another reason why when I first started covering Texas Tech basketball, I realized – that Coach Beard was a tournament coach. So most of these guys, you have them on schedules for weeks. Even though you're not working on solely practice for Oklahoma in two weeks, you're still working on looks that you'll see a while down the road. And in this tournament, when you have, for the most part, for your second days, you have a day, maybe a full day to recover from the last game, get ready for the next game, travel to your next site for at least the second game of the weekend's. It's more of an adjustments thing. It's more of a going off what you see at the beginning of the game, and there's no co- there's no coach better in college basketball at doing that than Coach Beard. So I think that's going to be yeah. You mentioned the out of bounds call on McCullough. That was a bad call, but overall, I would say every Tech Tech fan and every Big Twelve fan would have been much more happy with the officiating in that game than in a typical Big Twelve game. It, it's always it it was good officiating. I wouldn't say that the officiating in the tournament game was necessarily perfect, 
but I felt it was a lot more fair at times as well. They didn't, or maybe not fair to say, because I still think that Big 12 officiating is fair. It's just bad. I would say at least the calls were the same. A charge at in the first half was the same as a charge in the second half. There was no difference in that way. And speaking of officiating, does anybody know the 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 rules about a player sliding about yeah. three or four we, feet? Claire we mentioned that. Micah Peavy is, is the only way to travel by taking steps because Micah Peavy caught that uh, dough for that ball and slid probably from the three point line to dart near the half court line. I mean, it, it was quite a little motion there, but I'm sure there's always something that can be brought up to the uh, rules committee. Just just a question, but yeah. So you know, you get a player on the ground, you just keep pulling yeah. them, you know. Just have him push himself down the court on his back. Um, what are some things y'all would like to see out of this Tech game for the second round, for this round of 32 matchup that should be on Sunday? Um, while, while you're getting those questions up, we're going to mention that we're going to have our first baseball podcast of the season coming up sometime this week, cover what's happened to our first round of conference play um, and throughout the rest of the regular season and kind of break down what's going to go on. And I will say it hasn't happened yet. Do not let March Madness – Keep you from watching this Texas Tech baseball team. They are getting hot and a good time. Um, I know. I want to shout out to that team. It, who was who was it? It was uh, Romback. It was Conley, Conley and yeah. Fulford with back to back to back to back home runs in the bottom of the tenth inning to walk off the Red Raiders to defeat. They played. Who did they play? It was uh, UConn. Oh, UConn. They played the UConn Huskies. Yeah, we've won a, 13 straight, 14 straight? 14 straight. 14 straight. And a four-game sweep, that one. Got Oklahoma State this week. And, man, I'm, the, I'm as much as I'm happy with March, I'm also very excited for May, June for the for that baseball team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Base, baseball is going to be an exciting year, perhaps even more exciting than the, this basketball year is going to be. We have some of the most talent. If we didn't have a few pitching injuries, we would be on a totally different level. And we're, we still don't even have our full outfield back. We're still going to get um, Dylan Carter. Dylan Carter back sometime be, in April. They said yeah. originally. Yeah. <laughs> other, I think. Other than our defensive I, highlight tape from the weekend beforehand, man. I, I think one that will top that is that Kurt Wilson in the 2019 or yeah 2019 Super Regional against Oklahoma State, the pop fly that turned into a home run to to beat them and head to Omaha. Other than that, man. Texas Tech baseball, they got a bunch of very, very exciting moments to choose from in 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 terms of high yeah, quality. It, anyways, all right, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get back on topic here real quick. This is a basketball podcast. <laughs> I seem to forget. Yeah, a lot. We, obviously, <laughs> it's a good time to be a Tech sports fan. Some things we're gonna get to is this week. There's gonna be plenty of content going out on the Guns Up Nation page for these next March Madness games. We also have the tournament challenge. Obviously, it's too late to enter if you already haven't, but. Keep up with that. See how our guys are picking, how everybody's doing. Yeah, you mentioned the Kurt Wilson thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have that baseball podcast out by midweek. Also, starting with today's interview, full episodes will be on Spotify within five, six hours after the game. So if you ever want to go back and listen or you didn't get a chance to listen or maybe you were busy towards the end of the game out at the bar or whatever, we're going to get those things on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really anywhere you listen to your podcast. I like going for a run, listening to some Red Raider sports uh, talk shows, and it's a great time. Exactly. So we'll try and get you out something <laughs> midweek for baseball. If basketball wins again Sunday, we'll also talk about basketball on that podcast as well, kind of break down the odds. We'll probably have times by then too. So it's going to be an exciting content field 
filled few weeks for us. Hopefully, Texas Tech can continue this run. Other than that, I guess we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for joining us on the Guns Up Nation postgame show.